Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Hi, this is Michael Waits with ATP Stories. I'm talking to Nicola Jones-Crossley. Nikki is the director of Akin Asia and a female leadership advocate. How are you doing? I'm good, Michael. How are you? I am super. I'm so glad to be here. I've been waiting to do this for <laughs> such a long time. Um, can you, do you want to just explain like why you're here, what you're doing, what Akin Asia is, and like just how you got to this point? And then I want to ask more specific questions about, you know, the Bangkok Breakfast Network and some of the other things that you do in relationship to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh gosh, I'm not really sure where to start, but so I guess don't, I've... Don't go as far back as that picture you posted. Which picture? <laughs> oh, goodness. Goodness. I don't know what you're talking about now. <laughs> my, my brain is reeling. I'm like, which picture you know I mean. anyway. is he talking about exactly? No. Well, um, I'm originally Australian. Uh, I was born and grew up in Sydney, Australia, and I've been living in Bangkok, Thailand now for about four years. Wow. Um, I'm has going it, into my has, fifth year. Has it been that long? Yeah, it yeah. has, and it flies. It does. <laughs> time flies. Time flies. So... Uh, I've been here for, yeah, former years, and I run an organization now, as you rightly said, called Akin Asia. And how I got to that was a bit of a long and convoluted story, tell I me, guess. Tell me. Um, well, I first arrived in Bangkok, and I was teaching. I was teaching at a Thai government school. Um, I got the job before I arrived in Bangkok, and I got the job through a family friend. Um, I just emailed her off the bat and said, I'm interested in, in moving to Southeast Asia. And uh, she said, well, there's a job for you at um, my old school if you're interested in, in coming. So I decided to take the teaching job. And I taught for two years in Thailand. It was at a Thai government school called Trim Udom. Oh, you did? You started Trim Udom. Okay. I didn't know that. Yes. Yes. I was at, I was at Trim Udom and uh, I was there for two years and it was fantastic. I love the kids. I've got a youth work background, so um, the the kids gave me energy. I really enjoyed working with them. Uh, the administration side <laughs> of things, on the other hand, it is what it is. <laughs> is uh, was not so fun. It is what it is. It absolutely, is what it is. absolutely. So uh, I quickly I quickly decided that teaching was uh, was not for me for a long term career, and I, I started looking at other things and I networked. Uh, um, Bangkok ex extensively. <laughs> I went to every networking event that I could get my hands on in Bangkok. And it was there that I realized that uh, these networking events, and a lot of them were Chamber of Commerce events, these events were very, very heavily male-dominated. They must be. And the women that were attending these events were kind of standing in a corner <laughs> talking to each other um, because, yeah, that was it was just full of uh, um, a lot of men. And I naturally just kind of gravitated towards uh, this group of women and I started talking to them and I just kind of formed this this network of of fantastic women who are, who are living here who have moved here who are expats but also local Thai women and I just kind of formed my own network of of these women and I started very informally uh, creating events running events for um, for us to get together to chat to talk about work and they were always very professional focused we're always talking about new opportunities that we had, um, whether we were hiring, whether, um, you know, we were looking for a particular project manager or, you know, we, we all, it was a referral network, essentially. Right. But it was also very informal. You know, we'd meet at a bar, we'd have 
we'd grab a glass of wine after work. Um, so it was a very informal thing. It all just kind of started on Facebook and, uh, and it's grown into Echinacea. So I just kind of kept, kept building the events and suddenly they were, you know, at um, a couple of, uh, you know, 50, 50, 60 people would come and I branded them as, as a brand called Business and Heels for a little while. That was ah, out of Australia. I remember. Yes. So that, that, that was a, a brand out of Australia and there were complications with that brand. So, um, so I dropped that a couple of years in. And I was rooting around for, for what to do next. <laughs> and I still, I, I really like uh, connecting people. And I really like creating uh, referral networks. So, and, and my focus is on women. So I decided to start Echinacea. And that's been running for two years now. Can I ask about advocacy? In other words, when you walk in, and, and again, answer the best way you can, right? But when you walk into a room, whether it's an AmCham event or an Australian Chamber of Commerce event, and you see mostly men, which I completely, mm-hmm. I completely understand that. And you see a group of women in the corner talking. It, I feel like you want to be an advocate for something. And, you know, we've met each other a bunch of times, obviously, which we'll talk about as well. Right. But what is it? What's inside, right? What drives you on the advocacy side? Oh, gosh. You know what I mean? Cause <laughs> it seems a... to, it's a good question, but it comes, it seems to come naturally. And I'm just curious, like, what right. do you think the genesis of that is? Oh God, I don't know. Maybe it was my schooling. <laughs> I went through a very liberal schooling, um, very, uh, very dedicated toward causes. Um, I've always been passionate about causes and the female cause. I mean, I this I feel so connected strongly to because I am a woman, right? Um, naturally, but but I just feel that women, I mean, historically and still today, are so underrepresented. Um, and you know we're 50% of the world's population and i just feel that women have so much to bring and so much to offer and that those capacities are not 100% utilized so that what's is what really drives me yeah i mean i used to say that and and i lived in japan for a while right so i lived there for 20 something years and i used to look around not just the office but and i felt uncomfortable saying this but i used to say like one of the biggest unused resources in japan was the female population right right and i feel like that's the same way in Asia. I don't think it's unique to Asia. I just think that's where I've seen it the most because I've lived here for my entire adult life, right? So I'm sure, not, I'm not sure. pigeonholing it into one particular place. Um, so I, I agree with you, actually. And, and I think it's really great that you kind of dedicate yourself to this type of female leadership advocacy because I think it's really important. And you tell me if you think I'm wrong, but mm. I think the world is moving in your direction. I hope so. <laughs> but don't you feel like it? I mean, don't you feel like even I think so, yeah. without talking about specific events in the past like six months or whatever, we could talk about all of them if you would like. I'm happy. But mm. Don't you feel like the world is kind of finally waking up at least yeah. a bit and just going, okay, yes, this is absolutely. just not right. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I really feel like um, I really feel that that is that push is starting to happen. Absolutely, and women have. Their foot in the door and there's, you know, changes, changes definitely starting to happen and conversations are starting to being had, you know, um, especially, yeah, absolutely with the past six months and what's been happening. Um, and it's, it's like across industry, you know, whether it's Hollywood or venture capital or government or, you know, particularly the United States becomes, you know, a lightning rod for all this only because the media there is so insane. But, you know, whether it's Roy Moore or Harvey Weinstein, it doesn't really matter. It's all the same noise, right? And it's good that it's finally getting out. But you must sit in Asia looking going, yeah, like, (laughs) 
<laughs> you're li- but it's good though, right? Because it must, it must give you more. Not that you need it, right? And this is the other word I wanted to talk about because you sure. you focus on it or you talk about it. Can you talk to me about this word empowerment? And why? <laughs> oh, dear. No, please. It's it's important yeah, to me sure. because because I frankly I don't like that word because it means empowerment to me is like a gift that somebody gives you. Well, absolutely, yes. And it's and not a gift to be given. Right, right. And I, I don't feel empowerment should be a gift to be given. And that's, I just wrote a whole big article on this, actually. And that's probably why you're asking me about this topic. But, but this word empowerment and this word, like specifically from a gender related sense, female empowerment, right? Um, I mean, empowerment's used in a, in a lot of different terms and from a development, from a developmental point of view, um, it's been used, uh, basically with marginalized communities, right? We need right. to empower uh, this community so that they can then stand up and, and become stronger. And so from a gender, a gender point of view, female empowerment um, is, is this idea that we need to give women um, the power to stand stronger and to become active participants in society. And I, the bit that grates me about empowerment, and I, I really kind of – because it's been something that's been ticking over in my head for a little while. And I'm just wondering every time I see this word or hear this word empowerment, it, it itches me, you know, it's something that I just, I just don't like. And I'm, it it was a, it was a reflection process for myself. Like why, why is it Nikki? What, what specifically about this word is it that really um, gets you going? And I, I went into the definition of the word um, and, and looked it up. And then really what, what the dictionary is saying is that empowerment is, is, giving empowerment to someone this right. act of, of of giving or bestowing empowerment right. on a certain group is is the bit that really um grates me because the women that i'm surrounded with um are powerful freaking right. women right. and they don't need to be given anything right. um and the fact that um empowerment or female empowerment talks about giving power to women i then ask well who's doing the giving. the giving in the first place right. if if that's the definition you know right. uh, who's doing the giving and if if those in power are the men then you know the men are the ones doing the giving and it then creates this unequal power balance again which is what we're trying to that's the problem uh, to begin with absolutely at some is, level right not the only problem but that's one of the problems to begin with sorry yes. i interrupted you no, that's right. It was a long. <laughs> no, no, it's not long. I do that. It's really bad. You re- you may remember I used to do something called Michael Talks Tech, and one of the comments I got was Michael talks too much. So I try. <laughs> feel oh, free. To, feel free to. Yeah, exactly. Oh dear. Feel free to laugh and agree. <laughs> oh dear. No, it's good to be talking. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, look, I read that same word too, and I used to have this concept about freedom. Right? Freedom is not something mm-hmm. you give to somebody; you can only take it away, mm-hmm. and. The whole concept for me of empowering somebody else means that you are somehow bestowing something on somebody and that's not the way this should be working. And I like the fact that, you know, we talked about it before we started recording, but you're quite powerful yourself, actually. No, thank you. (laughs) Well, you are. And we can talk about that in the context of some of the other things that you do and you organize. Um, But your presence in a place requires attention. It demands attention. And that's actually important. Right. Mm. And that through that attention comes power. And it's not the only way it comes, but that's one of the ways that it comes. Right. And that right. the women that you also associate with have right. the same power. 
Right, And yeah. it manifests itself in different ways, but it's not meant to be given to you by somebody sure. else. And I wish people would stop using that word, frankly. Empowerment. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, on my uh, the, the original comment, the article that I posted was on LinkedIn. And I really invited, uh, at the end of the article, you know, I asked a couple of questions, um, inviting participation and inviting comments from people because I just, I wanted to know whether there was um, an alternative for this word empowerment. What do people use instead? Um, is is there a, you know, it's, it's because a buzzword really empowerment is there an alternative how can we kind of get past using this word and one person um mentioned active participation of women um so how about just get, how about just getting out of the way <laughs> right <laughs> no but i mean that in a very serious way right like the the fact that someone's trying to attach some type of phraseology to just allowing someone to exercise their inherent freedom. Sure, and the time and space and the confidence that they need to be built to to get where they are, absolutely. Do you and this is a personal question so you don't mm. necessarily need to answer up. You talked a little bit about school and you're at the school that you attended and you and I talked about that a little bit offline if you remember one time when we were sitting and having coffee and talking about business yeah, sure. right and building the website and that that morning, right? Yep. But do you get anything like what's it like growing up in that in your house if you don't mind me asking like cuz mm. I find it really important like I remember sure. my my dad said to me things about I have a mother obviously and two sisters that's not the right. obvious part but it was always like you have to treat them exactly the same way as you would treat anybody else treat them with respect con- like it, w- it was like drilled into my head I didn't make this stuff up on my own right 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 I'm just wondering like what was it like in the home you have a sister too yeah yeah, I have a sister, I have a younger sister. I've actually got, and and my dad's remarried. So my parents divorced when I was eight. Okay. Um, my sister must have been five, and then my dad uh, remarried about five to six. No, sorry, he 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 got engaged five to six years later, but then only married uh, recently. Okay. Um, and and my stepmom also had two daughters in her previous marriage. So okay. I actually have three sisters. Okay. Sorry about <laughs> so, that. So two, te- two stepsisters and, uh, and one sister. Everything okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm surrounded by girls yeah. and my dad is surrounded by girls. Awesome. And he, um, he loves it. And I've actually, you know, I, I've, I've told him before. I mean, he, he's a, he's a very sophisticated man. He is, he was a consultant and an energy, energy efficiency consultant. Wow. Um, it's what he did for work and he flew around the world, uh, while I was growing up, uh, doing his work. He's a very sophisticated man. He, he drinks wine. He appreciates ballet, the theater, the arts the performing arts. Um, and I've often kind of joked to him. I said, dad, you wouldn't know what to do with boys. <laughs> You're lucky that you had girls. This is, this is a gender stereotype, obviously, but I was For kind sure. of like, it, it was a joke. I'm like, dad, you wouldn't know what to do. You I mean, you don't drink beer. You don't watch football or any type of sports. <laughs> I'm like, you don't, you don't, he, I mean, the most manly thing he probably does is, is woodworking. <laughs> but that was, that was kind of a joke that I, I made with him. Um, but growing up, I mean, it was it was essentially myself and my younger sister, and um, gender was never really a part of, or the gender differences it was never really a part of uh, my my growing up. I don't think. I mean, mm-hmm. we touched on it in school and through my studies, absolutely. Um, but it was it was not really something, and I never had brothers to be able for my parents to kind of define differences and, and that kind oh, of thing. Right. But also thinking back as well, like. A lot of our toys were um, weren't weren't specifically toys for girls. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. Um, 
And that, yeah. And, yeah, I was just curious, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, my house was pretty inclusive. There was a ton of us, so it never really made any sense to separate anything out. And I never felt like there were roles. Like I, I did the dishes, my sister, you know, shoveled the snow. Like it didn't matter. Yeah, it just sure. all seemed equally shared, which I thought was fine. Anyway, sure. I was just curious. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about the the Bangkok Breakfast Network. <laughs> well, that's how we met, right? The no, no, no. You don't remember. Oh. I didn't want to talk about it because I was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. No, I do remember now. <laughs> I was concerned. But but I do. But I think it's emblematic, though, of the way women feel in the world. I didn't want to bring it up necessarily, but up to you if you want to mention it. But But like I thought that was interesting for me, and I was scared. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, let let's let's do it. Let's do go mind? into it, Michael. No, of course, of course, of course. So, uh come should I come at it from my end first? Please from, do. Please do right. because okay. I can let me tell you what, actually let me do this first. Yeah, I, sure. I want to tell you what I was thinking. Mhm. And then I wanted you to go tell say what you were thinking separate to that because we were sitting, you know, we didn't know each other at all. Yeah, I remember sure. reading about some of the stuff that you were doing. Mhm. And, you know, there's a massive age gap between the two of us. It's got to be 20-something years. It doesn't really matter, but it does matter in this context, right? And I remember thinking, I really want to help out. Like, I want to be involved in this because I know that I can help out. Right. Right. I've seen so many things. I just feel like I know, like, I have a big network. I just want to help out. This is the thing. Like, I was born to help for this thing, right? Okay. And I said, okay, let me write this email. And I wrote this email, and I'm like, I don't know if I should send this, though. <laughs> I really did. I was nervous. I'm like, because I don't know what it looks like. Okay. Right, I don't know what it looks like, and I'm like, you know what? Never mind. I'm gonna help. I'm gonna do. It doesn't matter to me. Send. Okay. And then I'm like, let's just see what happens. But I hope it's okay because I was right. I was waiting for a no, thank you. That's all I was waiting for, and I was gonna be like, fair enough. No is a no. It's fine. That's yeah. All. Yeah. Right. So then I guess from my end, I get this email um, from you, <laughs> um, and I'm actually trying to look it up so that I can refer to it while we're talking. Um, but I, I can't find the, the original email, but I do find the, the subject line and it was called, the subject was, can we meet? Oh, and it's from a that. Michael, yeah. it was from a Michael Waits. And, and the thing was, was that, that it's in my personal, my personal email account. But I remember how I found that though, cause it was on your LinkedIn account. Right, right. But it's in my personal email account and I hardly ever give my personal email account to anyone. It's just, it's, it's no, one I of these accounts that yeah, I don't is, is, right, is, is linked to my LinkedIn and it's, is linked to a bunch of subscription stuff that I never read, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so hardly anyone ever, um, messages or emails me through this oh. personal account. And then I get this email with the title, Can We Meet? Uh, from a Michael Waits and I'm like, hmm. Who is this guy? <laughs> right. Fair. But that's what it looks like. I didn't even think. And I chose the words inside the mail carefully. I don't know. Right. Anyway. Right. And I, anyway, the, I, I can't exactly, I can't find where. Um, I'm looking for it too, but. Oh, yeah. no. And you know what? I, no, I can't find it. Sorry. Anyway. So the, the words in the email was something along, along the lines of, you know, I'm, I'm interested in your work. I really like what you do. Uh, can we meet up for a coffee? And that was about it. Yeah. I think. Maybe. And. I mean, this email coming from a man who I don't know to my personal email address where I have no idea where he got it from. <laughs> I think I sent back a fairly abrasive email saying, uh, who are you and what exactly do you want? Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And I got it. I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. Right. But, but I like it. I liked it as well because it's strength. I like the strength, right? And that's how I know. That's why I knew, like I understood what you were doing. Sure. Anyway. Sure. 
yeah anyway so that's that's how we actually met <laughs> but about the the bangkok breakfast now so then from there we we talked and i figured out that you're a decent human being Fine. and uh, <laughs> and uh then you came to one of my events that i run called the bangkok breakfast network and this is uh, a network of events that i run under akin asia and it's um it's it is what it says it is. It's a breakfast morning gathering uh, every second Tuesday, and we hold it at different cafes around the city, around Bangkok. So there are kind of two main areas in Bangkok. There's Sukhumvit and there's there's Saton, and we try to alternate uh, every every second week or every month. I think we alternate the venue mm -hmm. because it's in the morning. Uh, it starts at eight o'clock and finishes usually around 9.30. So we're very conscious that, you know, people need to get to the office and they need to get to work. So the location has to be central. Right. Um, so the, it's, a, it's a morning gathering of professionals who come and uh, chat about their work, introduce themselves, introduce what they're doing uh, for work. And we always invite a guest. So someone who comes and basically, um, it's a, I mean, it's a very informal event, but the guest talks a little bit more about um, herself and the guest is always a woman, talks a little bit about, more about herself, uh, about her experience and about the industry that she's in. And then she kind of leads the discussion a little bit. So so her industry and her background and her experience kind of informs the rest of the discussion. Right. And whether it's a guest with a tech-related background, whether it's a guest in a marketing background, whether it's an entrepreneur starting her own uh, products company or whoever that guest is, the uh, the participants of, of the network generally kind of tend to fall around a similar uh, industry or a similar experience. And mm -hmm. so there's a conversation, a, nat a natural conversation really just flows uh, from that, um, from, from further questions to our guest and then through the, the participants themselves as well. What's the feedback that you've gotten from that? Oh, everyone loves them. <laughs> everyone, every, no, no, seriously, everyone, everyone does love them. It's it's a very um, casual, informal environment, although there is structure to it. Mm. So, uh, you know, we start off at eight o'clock, you know, not everyone's fully awake. <laughs> so we start off with coffees um, and, and then generally about, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes into the events. Uh, I'll kind of myself or one of my team members will lead and we'll kind of introduce ourselves and then ask that everyone around the table introduces themselves as well. So there, there's a small structure to the event. And then once all of the participants have introduced themselves, we ask our guest to then kind of uh, lead the discussion and tell us a little bit about her experience and, and the industry that she's in. Uh, and then from there, the conversation just kind of flows naturally. And um, people generally leave around nine thirty, ten o'clock in the morning. Right. But the the feedback is is that oh, the other thing that I get people to do when they introduce themselves is to really try and be as specific as possible about what they are looking for from this from this network. So whether it's um, whether they are working on a project and they are looking for a graphic designer or a photographer, or whether they, you know, are hiring at the moment and they need very, someone very specific, whether they are an entrepreneur, or maybe they're just looking for a new yoga studio, <laughs> whatever it is, I ask people to have a think about what this network can help them with, what these other people around the table can help them with, and use it as a referral network, use it as a kind of a crowd, a crowdsourcing ideas network. And that really helps. And that really kind of um, connections are made from that as well. Right. So I've been to, I think, four of those events. I wanted to say mm. five, but I think that's a slight exaggeration. And 
I think it all except one, there were other men there, which I thought was great. Right. Yeah. I actually thought the speakers were fabulous. Um, the woman who was starting that magazine I thought was really interesting. I don't remember her name. Franji, yes. Yeah, she was great. At, I mean, social, what was, what's the name of that company? Social Giver. Oh social my giver. God. I sat next to her. She was amazing. <laughs> Alice is amazing. Alice is everywhere and is always amazing. She's actually on my podcast. Yes. Yeah. I, we'll talk great. about that too. But she was, yeah, I, I thought she was insanely inspirational and very amazing and actually honored to be there. And then there was the woman from the British Embassy. Ah, uh, yes. Margaret. Yeah, and Margaret. But and just so you know, and then yeah. there was another week after that where I met another young lady from. Oh, I want to say Algeria. I can't remember her her name. You weren't there. You were in um, okay. Myanmar, I believe, or maybe in right. Cambodia. I can't remember. No, I think it was Myanmar. Um, I'm trying to find her name now. I'm looking through my Facebook page. But yeah, that's but great. but one of the great things, and I can talk a lot about the Breakfast Network because I think it's actually really important and super useful. It's kind of like. It's like half casual and half very serious. And it's hard. It's, no, but it's hard to do that, right? Sure, yes. Right. So when Alice was talking about social giver, like that's a pretty serious topic. And she's yeah. so eloquent in her ability to just, you know, what's the right word I'm looking for? To just explain what she's doing, why she's doing it, how she's doing it. And the impact that she's creating and her passion behind it. That, that oh one God. with Alice specifically got very, very deep very quickly. <laughs> how Didn't could it, it not though? But at about, yeah. You had about 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Everyone's still waking up. We've got coffees and we're talking about social impact and impact that she's having on communities and, and uh, marginalized communities and everything and her passion behind this project. And, you know, everyone's just looking at her with awe and yeah, I, was, I mean, sure. the, the the point of these events is, is I mean, it's partly to inspire people. Absolutely. Mm. But I mean, I think it's just her. <laughs> she she inspires people with her passion and, and yeah. how she talks about what she does. What she does is amazing. Mm. Um, but then one of the other meetings, so the woman from the British Embassy, I actually had a meeting with her and one of her other colleagues a few, oh, we a few weeks after that, with us, which I thought was great. And you know, even for me, I thought the likelihood of me meeting somebody that senior Right. She's like, what, vice chairman of mission? I can't remember what her title she's deputy, is. She's deputy ambassador. Yeah, she's, she's deputy ambassador. Line. Right. Yes. Sorry. So she's like deputy ambassador. Like, there's no other way to say right. it. And I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, Shh, we emailed each other and arranged a meeting so we could chat about what we chatted about there. Like, that was amazing to me that I could meet the deputy ambassador from Britain and one of her senior colleagues as well. I forget what yes. he's – he was like the business attache. And that only happened because of that meeting. And sure. then another one of the – the, the morning, you know, network, networking sessions, I met this woman named Rasha who was from, I can't remember where. Okay. But she is like a deep technologist. She loves programming. And I know plenty of people that want to hire programmers. But she, she said she was really great. The first thing she said was, I've, I've been here for three days already and I have not been able to find work yet. Oh my God, three days. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's very ambitious. Yeah, absolutely driven, dedicated. She was awesome. So I hooked her up with a bunch of people. The thing is that like, I found that morning, you know, Bangkok Breakfast Network to be really, you know, it's fun for sure. It's super fun. It's great. Mm -hmm. I meet a bunch of great people, but I also found it to be super helpful. That type of networking where I, I think that an event that has like an optimal number of people, somewhere between 15 and 20 people at it is perfect because everyone yeah. can talk to each other. I think once it gets above those numbers, it gets hard. It just gets to hard connect to accomplish with everyone. anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, I guess, yeah, anyway, sorry. So, no, I was just I... saying I, I really liked it. And every time I've been there, I've kind of 
besides super enjoyed myself, I've accomplished something and I've met some pretty incredible people. And it's hard to tell, right, when you're sitting there. But then there was that other morning where there were like two Japanese ladies and one woman who had studied in Japan and I had lived in Japan. And, right. You know, you form those relationships over the same similar experiences. Yeah. It was super nice. And what you don't know is, you know, because I do the podcast that I do, some of those interviews are at seven o'clock in the morning. And yeah. I've started doing them on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I literally look, I did this today to see if I had somebody on se at seven o'clock next Tuesday. I do. So, and I was super bummed out because yesterday, two days ago was Tuesday. I think you had another meeting. Yep. Yep. And my seven o'clock canceled. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how mad I was. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see you there, Michael. <laughs> I, I know that. But I'm just saying like, that's how much I look forward to it. And remember, I'm a yeah. man, so it's not set up necessarily for me. It's not that it's not for me, yeah. right? But it's meant to sort of be for women. I, and I love the fact that men are allowed to attend and that they can and that they do because there have been some pretty interesting men there as well. But just that mm. whole concept of that network I think is really cool. I'm glad. Let's talk about that that male participation thing for a second because Please. that's something that Akin Asia is really trying to focus on and, and has been focusing on this past year as well. And although we're I mean, we're an organization that focuses on celebrating and promoting female leadership for for gender equality uh, to be reached, we really, really think it's important to have um, men involved and have the conversation include men. So all of our events, we um, are not uh, – uh, kind of structured for for women only. All of the events are run by women, and we invite female uh, uh, attendees. Uh, sorry, guests. We invite female guests and female speakers. Um, but the participation is always always open to to men, and we really encourage um, male men to 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 come into the conversation as well. We find, find, I think it's really important. <laughs> I do, and it's really interesting for me. Like. And again, tell me if I'm wrong. I, I like to say this, but I frequently am. Um, when a man goes to an event like that, like I don't feel left out. I don't feel Good. like I shouldn't be there. I, I don't Good. feel like it's even not not special is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Like I don't feel like it's an add-on. I don't feel intimidated at all. Good. Um, it's hard to intimidate me, but anyway. <laughs> right. Well, then maybe that's maybe that's, that's just you. Yeah, maybe it's just a yeah. personal statement. But but even so, though. I do feel sometimes, though, that at an AmCham event, like you said, and it's not AmCham per se, but like the things you were talking about before yeah, where sure. the women congregate in a corner is not because they feel intimidated per se, but maybe because they just don't feel accepted. And I right, felt absolutely. completely accepted. And I thought that's it's really important, right? Because the whole idea of having this is not to <clears throat> is not to exclude other people. It's just yeah. to have a focus. And, and that's, yeah. I think, important to note. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, so hopefully I said that properly. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I like it, Michael. So you also do other events, one of which has a title, mm. Celebrating Women Doing yes. Something. Yeah. So can you talk a little <laughs> bit about, well, because it changes. Yeah, absolutely. So the Celebrating Women series, again, is a series of events. Um, and the structure for, for these events is a panel discussion. Um, so the Celebrating Women series is a panel discussions, and they generally, they're, they're bigger events. They get around 50 to 60 people that attend these. And the title always changes because the focus is industry specific. Right. So uh, we've done Celebrating Women events for uh, media for hospitality, uh, for tech, for, um, oh goodness, we've got one actually coming up next for week women, and the focus arts, is, yeah. yeah, performing arts. So we did one earlier this year, focus on arts. 
Um, but now we're focusing on performing art. So the women who use the stage as their platform, essentially, right. um, for their for their art and for their work. So, um, so this series, yes, absolutely, as I said, is a is a, it's discussion based, it's content based, um, and it's industry specific. So we invite speakers, female speakers, to to share their experience on that particular industry, um, and we generally get around four to five speakers. Next week is a little bit different, um, performing arts, because uh, these these speakers, these women are performers, essentially, where we're going to have a small showcase of their work. Wow. So we have a couple of singers. We have a poet. Um, we have a, a director, a theater director, and a dancer. Or she's, she's a creative expressionist, but she'll be performing a dance, a movement piece. Uh, so we've got a, a kind of a showcase of um, their their talents, a performance showcase, and then we'll transition from that showcase into sitting down panel discussion where the audience uh, will be hopefully very engaged, asking questions um, to do with the performance, but also in general as as professionals in the performance uh, industry around Southeast Asia. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff must keep you ridiculously busy because you also <laughs> do workshops as well. Yeah, and we do workshops too. Yeah, absolutely. So we do um, professional, mostly the professional development focus workshops, and we focus on leadership, innovation, effective communication skills, uh, negotiation, conflict resolution, and uh, we've this year we're doing a a series of public workshops where the public are are able to join up and. Um, attend but then also recently i've been in bangladesh um, i saw that programs for yeah women's university absolutely it's called the university asian university for women Women, and they are based in chittagong in bangladesh and i was there for three weeks i was running um professional development workshops for the students um basic stuff around again around conflict resolution negotiation um communications um building resilience um and leadership skills what is it like? I've never been to Bangladesh. I think most people would be surprised, actually, how big a country Bangladesh is. Yeah, absolutely. how many like how many people do you do you know what the population is? It's oh, isn't gosh, it like a hundred, but no, but it's like one hundred and thirty-five or one hundred and fifty million people. I think like it's not a small country. It's not. Yeah, I think people get confused, but Bangladesh actually ends up being quite a large country. Mm, what was absolutely. it? What was it like being there? I mean, I saw some of the pictures of it, but I'm just curious. Had you been there before? No, I had. Oh, sorry, I had been. So the, my my collaboration with the Asian University for Women began earlier this year in about March. Um, I was invited over to be a keynote speaker for their Career Day Fair, which I think was in in May or March uh, earlier this year. So I had been before, uh, but before that, I hadn't been to South Asia at all. I hadn't been to India. I hadn't been to Bangladesh. So it was a completely new experience for me, and um, I loved it. I'm a bit of a, I'm an adventurer, so I love new places. I love new things. And um, it's overwhelming, though. It's very um, strong on your senses. Uh, The smells are just walking down the street. um, The smells hit you (laughs) straight away. Um, Smells of of decomposing garbage. But then on the other side of the road, a big thing of mangoes. Um, So very, very sweet. But the colors as well um, is just very, very vivid and vibrant. All of the clothes that people wear are just beautiful. Um, but there's just a lot of people. It's very, very – It's. I mean, I think Bangkok is crowded, but gosh, Bangladesh is something else <laughs> yeah, entirely. I think the capital city – and I don't know this. So I'm looking at some population numbers, 163 million people as of 2016. Okay. I'm trying to see what the source is. 
Um, but still, a lot of people, more than I thought, right? Sure. Um, but I believe it's also one of the most densely populated cities in the world. There is actually a tech scene there, one of the reasons why I pay attention to it, not the only right. reason why. Um, <laughs> but what was it like being there for three for three weeks? Like, what was the reception like there <laughs> yeah. to you? What um, was the response to the things you were trying to teach? I'm really curious. Yeah, well, I mean, just, just for me in general, walking down the street, um, I was also in Chittagong. I was not in Dhaka. Dhaka is the, the capital city. I was in Chittagong, the port city, which yeah. is, um, I guess, the second largest city, I think, in Bangladesh. And they don't get a lot of tourism. Chittagong does not get a lot of tourism. Right. Um, so so seeing a, a white female <laughs> walking down the road was was um, very, I guess, shocking to them. And yeah. they were curious. So I got so many stares. I was just stared at the entire day. <laughs> um, it just just out of curiosity. I didn't feel there was no aggression. There no, was no, no um, I didn't feel at any point threatened. Um, but it was just curiosity. It was just pure curiosity, curiosity and, and wondering, you know, what am I doing here? What's she doing? Right. Um, who is she? Uh, so that was kind of the, the general general reception. And the students at the university, um, I mean, they they are very um, accustomed to to foreigners. seeing foreigners because sure. it's an it's an international university. The right. the curriculum is all taught in English. There's students from across uh, thirteen different countries that reside and live in the university in Chittagong and in Bangladesh. Um, so it's not just Bangladeshi students; it's they're from all over, and their faculty, their teaching faculty, come from all over as well. So there's people from the U.S., there's people from the U.K., there's Australians, um, there's people from South Asia. It's the, the faculty is very very diverse. Um, so the students are very, very used to seeing, um, you know, having having Western lecturers and Western um, staff. Got it. Um, the reception to the actual content of the the workshops was really fantastic. Um, it was a real learning experience for me, but also for the students in the room because they are in such a diverse environment um, with perspectives from so many different countries, backgrounds, right. and and religions, it um, it was really, really uh, powerful. Actually, the learning that that we all got <laughs> right. really out of out of the workshops, um, and yeah, we all learned together. It was it was great. Yeah, you make a really good point. I think if you're doing, and when I say you, I don't mean you. I mean one, right? Sure. If one is doing a good job teaching, right, or presenting mm. new material, then I think that the person who's also prevent presenting is learning things along the way as well. No, absolutely. Depending on right. reactions, depending on the uptake questions of the material, and... depending on questions, absolutely. And and I really, um, I, I go into a learning environment if I'm facilitating or teaching. Um, yeah, when I used to teach the the kids at Trimurum, it was a little bit different. I mean, it was a it was a more mainstream school setting. But right. whenever I go into any learning environment, I really stress at the beginning that although um, I guess I'm kind of in a, a, a teacher capacity, I'm I'm not here to to lecture you, you know, we're here to learn together and we're all going to learn from each other. And I find that a very powerful experience and students really, the students, especially at AUW really um, responded to that. And it was just really lovely seeing the collaboration between the students as well and them helping each other and them kind of learning from each other through the workshops as well. And I really see kind of my role of, as a facilitator just to kind of create that environment in which the learning can then happen. Um, and I always believe that people, uh, students, who, whoever it is, has has the answers, have the answers somewhere 
deep inside, but it's just up to me as a facilitator to structure that environment and to create the environment in which that, that learning then happens in which they can kind of explore that a little bit further. Yeah. And I wanted to say this, but I couldn't find the right place to put it, but since you've brought it up, I'll say it now. I was, I'm pretty impressed actually. Every time I go to one of the Bangkok breakfast network meetings in the morning, besides the fact that it's really early. So as you said, most people <laughs> do not completely have their wits about them, but sure. you're in charge, right? You're facilitating that. And I yeah. kind of mentioned it in passing before, but it's quite impressive actually how you kind of do take charge of the whole room and the facilitation skills are something that's really hard to teach. Mm. I think. I guess, I guess it comes naturally. <laughs> that's my point though. And I don't, I don't know impressive. where. I don't, I don't know where it comes from either, but it's very impressive to see anybody walk into a room, get people to pay attention, have them follow like and like you said the rules aren't strict but there are rules and there's an order and mm -hmm. people listen and that ability to facilitate a room whether it's the 15 people at breakfast or the 45 ladies in a room in school right. like you can't teach that and you also can't teach the level of comfort and i think that comes with confidence mm -hmm. yeah. Do you know what i mean you have to know because if you have fear people will people will um sense it so yeah, if you stand absolutely. up in front of a room and try to take charge yeah and it doesn't work. It's it, it doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. And all, all I can say to that is fake it till you make it. <laughs> because no, seriously. I mean, when I when I first started facilitating, I was scared as shit. I had I'm no sure. idea what I was doing. Um, you know, and and I would stand in front of a room and try and talk to people, and it would come out like like a complete babble, and I would feel like crap. And you know, the people watching me or the people. Um, in, in the room with me, I could also see them. Right. It's a physical thing. You can see them yeah. kind of shrink and like they're embarrassed for me. Right. Um, and, that and doesn't I've happen had, anymore. Right. Uh, it ha yeah. <laughs> and mostly, mostly it doesn't, it doesn't happen, happen anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's, and it, again, it's one of those things that practice makes perfect too. You know, yeah, when I, enough. when I first started the, the Bangkok breakfast network, the gatherings earlier this year, we started, we launched them in February um, we had quite a big group and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just kind of just made it up. And um, I guess the confidence to uh, to be able to make something up um, is key. Yeah, very. So we talked about this a little bit offline as well, and I want to I want to start talking about it. Um, when you find the thing in life kind of that you're meant to do, it no longer becomes your job. It just becomes your life. And mm. they blur together. Like right. really in a way that's really nice, I think, in a way that's beautiful. And I think there are a lot of things that you do that don't get branded by the Akinasia yes. uh, moniker. Right. And they don't necessarily fall into a category of networking or, you know, celebrating women. It's just you being you. And <laughs> no, I think it's important, though. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important. I think it's you being you living the life that you want other people to lead and just helping other people out. I really want to talk about the thing that you wrote about. Uh, was that today? I can't remember anymore because the yeah, day's the blurred post to me. Was today. Yeah, yeah. So do you want to talk about it? This is Koi Chotika, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I I did a big post on on my Facebook uh, wall today about Koi Chotika. Uh, she's a she's a Thai lady who I met uh, I guess four years ago now that I was uh, when I first moved to Bangkok. And she's fantastic. She's she's a lovely lady. But the reason for my post really was um, to to let the com my community know and to let people know what had happened to Koi. Um, now um, Koi, yes. Can I sorry. ask you? I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but I really want yeah. you to back up a little bit more, and I'll tell yeah, you sure. why. Because yeah. 
the way you introduced her, I didn't, I read the whole thing. I actually read it twice, but I didn't know where it was going. I frankly, I was fearing that she had died. Oh God. No, I was so afraid. I was like, oh my God, please tell me this doesn't end with somebody dying and her son. And then I was like, oh my God, I just don't want to read the end of this. It it ended better than expected, but not well. Right. I mean, it's getting better for sure. But, but remember she, you also found out about her through some not so random way, but like she comes to your house to do that thing. It's very unclear as to whether it's reputable, like, but you still did it. And that's the point I want to make is that you still said, you know what? I'm like a trusting good human Mm. and I'm not alone. Mm. So I'm going to let this woman come into my house and she brought her son. Like, I think you should go through (laughs) that. No, because it's important. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Koi, so Koi, I met four years ago uh, in Bangkok and how I met her was when I first moved to Bangkok, I moved alone. I was here. um, I think I moved in 2013 and I didn't know anyone. I had, yeah, I just didn't know anyone. And so a lot of um, when you're setting up yourself in a new country, you're trying to find, um, you know, different services and different things that, that you need for everything from dry cleaners to, uh, you know, to, to waxing ladies, yeah, haircut, haircutting, <laughs> so, whatever it is, haircutting, you, just things you normally do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I was Googling, um, and I was trying researching and trying to find this, um, trying to find a waxing, a waxing service. So I get my legs waxed and I was trying to find um, someone who was not going to charge me crazy, obscene rates that a lot of the other salons in Bangkok do. Um, If you've seen any of their price lists, they're just insane. So I was just trying to find someone who is a little bit more local, um, support a local business and, um, and get my legs waxed, right? So I, I, you know, I was going through website after website and it's usually all the big salons and hotels that have their websites online. And I just stumbled across this TripAdvisor review and I had, I'd scrolled down all of these comments, you know, and it was somewhere, this, this, this post was buried somewhere in all of these comments. And this post was from about two years earlier. Right. And the, the comment, the post said, you know, my husband and I get our waxing done by this lady called Koi. Uh, she comes to your house and here is her number. And the, you know, the post listed her number. And I, I looked at this post and I was like, hmm, you know, it would be great if Koi was still around. And I, you know, I realized it was two years previous. I wonder if this number even still exists, whether right. Koi is still working. I just had no idea. But I was like, look, I'll just, I'll just give it a go. So I typed the number into my phone and gave Koi a call and she picks up straight away. She picks up immediately and we have a bit of a chat and she's, you know, this really lovely lady. She's Thai. Her English is, is great. Obviously not fluent, a bit, little bit faulting, but, um, but perfect. We could understand each other. She knew where I lived. And, um, so I made an appointment for the next week and the next week arrives. She comes, she knocks on my, on my apartment door and I open the door and she's standing there with her son, (laughs) her eight year old son. Right. And I kind of looked at her and she said, you know, I didn't even say hello, but she kind of started to speak and apologize to Nikki. I'm so, so sorry. You know, he's just gotten off school. I couldn't find anyone to take him. I'm a single mother. Do you mind if, you know, do you mind if he comes in and he can just sit in the corner, he can play, you know, he won't disturb us. Um, you know, I, I can I can do your waxing while he just sits in the corner. Right. And you know, I couldn't say no, obviously. And this kid was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, sure. You know, and and what am I what am I to say? 
So she comes in. She brings him. She brings him in. He sits in the corner. He, you know, she, she gets out crayons for him, and he starts kind of drawing in her planner. While on the other side of the bed, you know, I, I'm sitting on the floor, and she's she's setting up her her waxing kit. Um, and I get my legs waxed while he's in the corner doing his, you know, doing his drawing. And I was kind of thinking, oh my goodness, this is totally Thai style. <laughs> this is this would never happen, you know, in in the West. And this is, you know, this is kind of really strange. It was it was not super comfortable to me, to be honest. Well, there's a there's a guy in the room when you're doing that. Right. It's just it's not yeah. standard. It's not standard. It's not standard. Anyway, but fair enough. I got I got chatting to Coin. You know, she she she's she's a big talker. She loves to talk. So she was telling me about her life growing up in in Bangkok. I'm sorry, in the north of Thailand, and um and we just formed this this great relationship. And you know, I was asking her about her business and how many clients she has a day. And you know, her clients usually foreigners or are they Thai people? I was just I was just really curious. Right. And um, she was saying that usually her her new clients come through word of mouth. And, and I asked her, well, well, how did they find out about you? You know, like I told her the story. I said, I found your number in this, you know, this long kind of list of TripAdvisor reviews. I said, you should have a website or a Facebook page or something. <laughs> and she, she kind of looked at me and she's like, Nikki, I have no idea how yeah, to do any right. of that. She's like, I, you know, I don't even have internet on my phone. I, I, I just have no idea. And I was like, well, hey, you know, it's really easy. I can just set up a Facebook page for you right now if you like. And Koi was like, really? And I said, yeah, sure. It's, you know, it, it doesn't cost anything. There's no money involved. It's literally just a little bit of time and a click of a few buttons. And she was like, okay. So, you know, she, she'd, she'd finished my, my treatment and she, I just kind of sat on the bed and she sat behind me watching what I was doing. And, you know, I, I just made a Facebook page right then and there for her. No logo, no, no, no anything, no branding. And it was just called Koi Shotika Waxing at Home was what I kind of called the, the page. <laughs> It's, a, um, it's in the name, as I like to say. Yeah, absolutely, it's in the name, and um, and it it just went from there. So, um, so that was four years ago, and I, I created her Facebook page, and and actually she connected me with another one of her clients, who you know she called me a few weeks later saying that you know, she's a talker, and she talk, she talks to all her clients, and and she was telling me that you know she was talking to this client about how I made her Facebook page, and the, her client was a graphic designer. And her client had um, offered to make Koi's um, logo for um, for her. And so I connected with this other client, and the client made the logo, and so then I just stuck it on her website. And it's her, it's her beautiful, Facebook. by the way. Yeah, so it was just kind of this community of, of people creating um, this this business for Koi. I mean, Koi already had the business, but it was it was making it more visible, I guess, right? Putting it online. Was there an was there an impact on the business by just having a website and just having a Facebook oh, page? Oh, absolutely. She'd call me, <laughs> she'd call me, you know, every month or every every couple of weeks, saying, "Nikki, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so busy." Because the thing was, I couldn't get an appointment with her anymore. <laughs> You're out. I couldn't even get my own appointment because she's like, "Oh, Nikki, I'm so sorry, you know, like my bit, my schedule, my schedule is." So busy i'm having all of these new clients she's like they're all finding out about it on facebook thank you so much she was really really grateful you know for <laughs> for everything that i did but her business and her business was booming so good for you um, good for her so too. she was she was really yeah she was really happy about that um and and um and then what happened so i mean that was four years ago and so ever since then i've been um I, i'm the one who who has admin access on her facebook page no one else does um, she she actually has a Facebook profile now, but she doesn't really know how to use it, right, <laughs> and is not on it often. Um, so she's she's just happy to let to let me do it, and I'm I'm happy to do it. it. It doesn't take a lot of work out of 
that for me. Right. So, so I just manage her Facebook account, and then any time that she wants to, like in the in the past four years, I think she's changed her prices like a couple of times. Um, so I've kind of like I'm. I guess my role now is. I mean, we're friends. We're really good friends. But I'm kind of a, a, a management type role. Right. <laughs> she's um. You know, I call myself Kunkoi's manager. Um. <laughs> and just kind of in in a joking sense, but. Um, yeah, so we, you know, we have dinners together. We celebrate her son's birthday whenever awesome. he, you know, every year. And, uh, you know, looking seeing how much he's grown in the past um, four years is just incredible. So it's, it, I guess we're kind of a bit like family now. Right. Um, anyway, so what happened recently and for the real reason for my post um, about Koi was that um, we, I'd find out, I found out, like, Koi called me yesterday um, just a little bit upset because she didn't really know what to do and she explained the situation to me and she said Nikki what's been happening is that I've kind of been collaborating like working with this businessman with this guy who was once her client um, and has become kind of like a, a business contact and I've been collaborating with this guy and what he does is you know he finds clients for me and then the clients pay him and then he deposits the same amount that I charge into my bank account Right, and then he sends me the clients, and and I go to their appointments, and I do their waxing, and it's all it's all good, it's all fine. She said, but what I've just realized, and what my clients have started like telling me, is that he started using all of her branding, um, her logo, the same price list that I actually made for her, and he's edited it, and he's changed all of the details. So her price list has become inflated. He's put he's put um much higher prices on her price list. He's using her her name and her logo and her design. Um, and he's rather than having her contact number on the the price list and on the website, he's changed it and he's put his contact number. That's terrible. And the price the price list that he's made um, is double the price. Right. That so he's he's taking he's taking the vig. He's taking yeah he's taking a cut. The spread. What's the spread? He's taking a spread. Yeah. Absolutely. That's absolutely. Terrible. And. And you know, Koi, Koi was not concerned about the money. Bless her. <laughs> she she really didn't care because she she was getting the same money that she was charging for. But her um, clients are massively overpaying, and her clients come to her. Are to, overpaying. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's and that's what really irritated her was the fact that her clients were overpaying, and also that he'd started using her name, her name and her branding and her logo and essentially ruining her reputation. Right. And she felt like she feels horrible about it. She she hates that. And she also feels horrible for me because she, you know, she's she's worried that I'm going to be mad, which I am a little bit, <laughs> um, because, you know, she's like, Nikki, you spent all this time, you know, doing my website um, and doing my Facebook page. So what this guy's done is he's created um, a Facebook page, a fake Facebook page under Koi's name as well. It's called Koi Chatika something, BKK, I think it is. Right. Um, with all of the same branding, all of the same image, image, imagery, uh, just the fact that the small details, such as the price list and his number, have been changed. Uh, so, yeah. So this was a big thing. And so last night, I I called him actually and told him that he needed to take everything down. Um, that what he was doing was just not acceptable. And uh, I reported the Facebook, the fake Facebook page that he made right. to Facebook, saying that it was um, infringing on intellectual property uh, of Koi's. And so we'll see. Let's hope <laughs> it comes down. He's, he's told me that the Facebook page will be taken down. 
I think something to do with Facebook's processes, it takes a while actually to delete a page. Um, there's a cooling off period, I think, after you ask it to delete. Right. But he told me that he's done that and that, you know, Facebook has given him 15 days or something to to reactivate the account because Facebook don't actually want you to. Right. They, you know, ne- they never want you to. Yeah. Right. So they've got this kind of cooling off period. But he said, you know, after 15 days that the, the Facebook page should be deleted. Um, anyway, so my, my post on Facebook was, was basically that story, that whole story about how I met Koi four years ago, how I'd helped her to kind of make her, her business more visible online, and now how um, this businessman had kind of taken advantage of that and how I was just mad and frustrated at that. And, um, yeah, I just wanted people to be aware of it, and I wanted people to, to support Koi's true Facebook page and to continue to support her, her website and her, her true business. Yeah. And so did I. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to talk about it here because it's, it's just indicative of the way, <clears throat> first of all, Facebook has a problem. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it, but one of the biggest problems with Facebook is, you know, it's okay if you put up, I have two profiles on Facebook. Fair enough. One right. is private. It's for me and my family. I put pictures mm-hmm. of my dog, you know, whatever. I, and, and most people can't even find it. But I also use Facebook for business and everybody sure. that's there is their venture capitalist or there. You know what I mean? And so there's a little bit of mixing, but not much. That I think is okay. Yeah. Um, but nothing that happens on Facebook is verified. And we found this out. And it's, and it's not just whether it's a presidential election that has foreign people meddling. It, that, that's bad yes. as well. <laughs> but it comes all the way down to just a woman who's just trying to make a living. Yes. Another yeah. woman who's trying to help her out and mm. some, Jerk. Using this platform to do so, using right? Using that platform to do so is just wrong at every level. Yeah, um, and it's indicative of a bunch of issues. You know, it would be just as bad. It would be as bad if it were a woman taking advantage of a woman, which probably happens as well. But it's doubly mm. bad for me because it's a man who probably is a little bit more successful trying to take advantage of a woman who he may think. Right. right. Again, the the things that happen between men and women, and it loops all the way back around, which is why I want to talk about this. It's always about power. Yeah, it's a power struggle, absolutely. And he's come in with more, um, power. With more power, thinking that you know he's going to kind of, um, you know, he's he's got one over her, and he 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 knows what you know he he knows the process, and he knows a way that he can make money out of Koi, and this is what he's doing. And he's yeah, he's in the position of power, and Koi is not. Right. And his biggest error is that he didn't know Nikki was there. <laughs> no, but it's absolutely. it's, impo- no, but it's important. Yes. Yeah, because he, I, he was operating in a void where he didn't understand what he was up against. And I think, again, the reason why I want you to talk about this is because I think it's a metaphor for the way, you know, look, all that needs to happen, and it's not the only thing. I don't want to minimize any of this. I want to talk about it, right? So one woman needs to come out and say, you know, that uh, Harvey Weinstein was doing this thing. And then there are 15 or 25 other people who are like, holy shit, can I, I can talk about it. Because now I, now I feel safe, right? Yeah. Because... This whole concept of power means that the other person doesn't feel safe, yes. right? And it manifests itself in every way, whether it's your boss to another guy, right? But it's when it's men to women, it's very different and very special, and it's mm. really bad that way. And that guy was doing the same thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it, that's not going to get reported in the newspaper because it's not sensational enough for people to know about, but it's indicative of what happens every single day. Yes, absolutely, on an every day to day basis and that's you know, that's that's gender inequality right there and that's what yeah, women women need to struggle with. <laughs> yeah, every day. And I just want yeah. to make this one point and then I'll let you go. When mm. you write on your profile that you're <clears throat> a female leadership advocate, 
I wanted you to talk about this because you live it every single day. Sometimes it's in public, but often it's in the shadows. And it's not about saying that you're amazing, which is true for sure, but it's just that you just do it regardless of whether people know about it or not. I guess it's second nature. That's it's the point, second, though. Right, right, but, absolutely. But it should also be second nature for that guy to go, I could definitely take advantage of that lady, but why not instead go to her and go, you know, you could probably raise your prices 50% and no one would care. Let's do it 25% a quarter over the next year. You can make way more money. Hey, by the way, I run a restaurant, and once you do that, you can afford to come to my restaurant. The first dinner's on me. Like, there's mm. so many better ways to do this. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And it needs to be instinctive. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yep. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I don't know, this 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 story with Koi, I guess I think is still sinking in for me because I'm still a little bit mad about it. <laughs> but um but yeah, to me, I mean Koi Koi is a friend and she's she's become like family to me. So it's just instinctual that you protect your own, you know what I mean? And so as yeah. soon as she as soon as she called me yesterday with this story, I was like, right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. So what am I going to do? And I mean, yeah, the the other thing is that I've, I've been here four years. I, I know a lot of people. Right. <laughs> so I'm kind of, yeah, you know, going back to what you were saying, this guy didn't know that I was behind Koi. It's, it's not just me as well, but it's, it's a whole yeah, bunch yeah. of networks that um, that also know, know Koi. And it's been really incredible, actually, since I've I've posted this this uh this post on facebook the amount of people and the community i know that she has she's got a big community around her koi has herself i mean she's got right. all of her clients all of her clients love her for sure um, she's just this person that oozes generosity and um just is just so kind you know is so genuine and so kind she's just one of these people and as soon as i posted this on facebook a lot of people you know didn't actually know that i'm behind um, right. koi's facebook or right. koi's website but as soon as I posted this the outpouring of support that she is getting um, for you know for this incident that has happened I, I send screenshots to her because she doesn't check her Facebook right but um but I, I send screenshots to show her and I, I just sent her a message today I'm like Koi you are so loved you know um, and so many people are behind you so please don't ever feel intimidated or afraid or you know just come to me as soon as something like this might happen again but and the, the last point i want to make about this is that one of the reasons why i do what i do mm. and we didn't get a chance to talk about your podcast as well but one of the benefits of that too is that for every harvey weinstein and louis ck mm -hmm. there's an unknown man whose name mm -hmm. nobody will ever hear who's mm -hmm. not going to be reported in the newspaper who's operating at the same like difference in power level with somebody sure. often a woman and that woman no one's ever going to know who she is because that story is not spectacular enough nor is it sensational enough to get reported in the newspaper mm. and that to me is part of the tragedy because that's the real story right absolutely and all of these day-to-day -day, every day-to-day every, -day stories and small little interactions and connections and human connections are a story in itself that Correct. absolutely as you said never gets reported right. but is too what i live for and is why i do what i do with a kid asia i mean i love creating these connections i love people meeting uh together and then working you know forming a relationship and either working together or becoming great friends and knowing that i've had a small hand in that is awesome had a, had a small part to play absolutely is is just such a nice feeling it's awesome okay <laughs> mm. look let's end here because i think that's a great way to end and i really want to thank you for your time it didn't rain which was good 
It didn't. There were a few bumps and uh, and background noises. That's I'm sorry okay. about no, that. No, no, no. That's but, okay. <laughs> that's podcasting. That's the best part about it. Absolutely. The only Thank thing we missed was the dog barking. So. <laughs> well, thanks so much. It's, it's a pleasure to be here and great chatting as always. Thank you so much. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Bye, Bye-bye. Michael. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.